Today we are going to be reading from the books of Matthew, verse 9, verses 20 through 22, and John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hermitages for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool, called in Hebrew, Beth Zatha, which has five porticles. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, uh, and paralyzed. One man who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now the day was the Sabbath. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks to be God. And now a moment where we should have used different words. Can, can you help me with this? God helps those who help themselves. This has been a moment where we should have used different words. <laughs> Amen. I've got a feeling that a lot of us are going to be making that same face tonight and using different words. <laughs> I've got a feeling. I think I've got you all figured out, so... I think that's what's on the books for today. Good morning, Ebenezer Church. It's a a pleasure and a blessing to be in worship with you today. You know, I got to tell you, I really have been enjoying this series and um, uncovering all the ways that we're invited and encouraged to use different words or for some of us, better words. Um, It is often the case that we find ourselves using some of the phrases or the idioms um, that we've been uncovering this entire sermon series. This is part three of it. And so we've been uncovering some pretty good ones. Today is God helps those who help themselves. And I got to tell you, I've had a lot of fun uncovering what's deep and underneath this. And I can't wait to share it with you uh, today. I hope you all have been equally as blessed as we've been journeying through this and have been considering yourselves. What are ways that I could begin using different words to truly get at the heart of what I want to convey to people? to people when they're in their time of need or in their time of struggle, or what could God really be wanting to say in this moment? I pray that you've been uh, wrestling with that throughout this series. Um, and as we continue to go throughout this series, that you will continue to do that. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and say a prayer. We'll get started. God, we're so grateful for the life and breath of your spirit in this place today. We are so grateful for all of the ways that you move in our lives, that you inspire our minds, our hearts, and our thoughts to do different things, to be different people, God, and to change things around us also that we reflect that of all of who you are, which is, God, your glory, your personhood, which is Christ. 
Help us to grow into that more and more each day and go right now, God, to the place of the human heart where Pastor Donovan was never designed to go. And then, God, you go and do that divine work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, my wife and I, about seven to eight months ago, I lost count at this point, uh, but when we found out that we were coming to Ebenezer Church, uh, we were super excited. We were thrilled, in fact. We were aware in our lives that God had been doing some new things and was changing courses or calling for us to chart new courses in our lives. Though That was very clear to us, and there were a couple other things that was extraordinarily clear as we were discerning what God might be doing doing in our lives and why is it that he's missed that why is it that he's placing us in a different place to serve we in fact love the place that we were served but we knew it it was very clear God wanted to change our course God also wanted to let um, us to come alongside you all here at Ebenezer for what is going to happen in this ministry the missions that this church is up to God wanted my wife and I to help partner with Ebenezer because God is doing something great here and we believe that we were clear of that the other thing was that we just had full confidence in God and knowing that everything is unfamiliar it's uncharted territory we've never lived this far south before but we have full confidence that God was going to do what God was going to do we had this confidence that wherever God is leading us God had already thought about our provisions there that God was going to help us get there Well, I got to tell you, uh, we were super nervous and there were some things that we did not know, some things that we were simply not clear about, like where are we going to live? Are we going to buy a house? Are we going to rent a house? What type of house will we live in? Will it be better than the parsonage that we lived in? It had two patios with the fire pit and we really liked that house. (laughs) Should we rent or buy? Where are the kids going to go to school? Where is Davin going to start his New Year's in preschool or, or daycare? Or what community will we live in? Will we be accepted in our community? Will God have a person of peace there to welcome us to our new neighborhood? Because we had not experienced that in our previous one. And how are we going to make this transition happen? And then more importantly, who's going to pay for it? We began asking ourselves these questions. Everything was not extraordinarily clear, but what became clear as we began taking these small steps, these small leaps of faith in prayer, we began doing things like uh, having midnight talks about what we desire from a community, what we desire in our next home. We began asking questions and then doing research around those questions like what are the schools like? What are the school success rates in the place that we want to live or the zip code where we want it to live? We began driving around neighborhoods and towns trying to get an, an essence for what this place feels like and who lives here and what people are doing here. Are they happy? <laughs> what could God be up to here? There are some things that we simply did not know, but we trusted that if God was leading us to this place that we could rely on God's help to help us figure out why God was sending us here in the first place. Well, I got to tell you, we uncovered it. God led us here and God helped us to find a realtor, a man in this church, a sweet spirited, sweet hearted man, kind hearted man who helped us, who became our realtor and helped us find the home that we absolutely love in a community that we absolutely love. 
You see, when you hear this story about God's provisions and how God provided and then brought us to places, <laughs> it brought us to places where that God provided for us, it's easy to see or to even think that as we were doing the research and circling the blocks and visiting the restaurants, that it was our own efforts that prompted God's work in our lives or prompted God's <laughs> um, response to the work that we have been doing. It's easy to see that. But oh no. If you ask Adrika and I, we would tell you both together that we saw the hand of God from the very beginning. You see, it was God who had initiated this moment in our lives where we had been discerning what God would do next. That was God pressing on our hearts what, where to go and where to be. And it was up to us to live open to what God wanted to reveal to us and then take those next steps of faith. And time spent with God so that we could be more aware of what God wanted to do while God is providing and helping us the entire time. So as for our text today in review or our quote today in review, God helps those who helps themselves. I don't know if I can rely fully on this. It, in fact, is a good one and it actually has a nice tune to it, but it's actually a half truth. God helps those who helps themselves. This is a popular phrase that's attributed to Benjamin Franklin. I think that he's the guy on the hundred dollar bill. Is he not? Is that the guy? I have no clue. I haven't seen a hundred dollar bill in a while. I'm just, no, I get paid. I do. I get, I get paid. I just haven't seen actual cash in a while. I use a debit card. I hadn't seen a bill in a while. But he's the guy on the $100 bill in his popular book he wrote, Poor Richard's Almanac. This is his personal book of proverbial sayings and his attempt to help people in the mid-1700s understand how they can be successful and live well. Benjamin Franklin held tight the belief that anyone who worked hard enough, anyone who had just enough faith to get up and apply efforts to their life, they could become successful. And this almanac that he created, it was all as an advance to help those have more advice as to how to succeed in life, how to get ahead and how to live well. How to get ahead and how to live well. In the almanac, you can find things like a quiet conscious sleeps in thunder. That's pretty good. Or you can find he that lies down with dogs gets up with fleas. I always wonder where that came from. Now I can tell my mom, I found the answer. It was Big Ben. (laughs) And then coming in at number 163 is God helps those who helps themselves. This saying is so tempting. And as I said before, it does has a nice ring to it, but it is a half truth. And when we're, when we're provoked to use this saying, I don't think that we mean, I don't think we seek to mean what it actually says. That we seek to encourage people to work hard so that God would see their efforts. That people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and then God will really see how serious they are. Or that if they just apply a little blood, sweat, and tears or get a little blood, sweat, and tears, then God will see their pain and act on their behalf. You see, I think what we seek to do is to empower others, but in turn, I think that there's so much harm that can be done. I think it could paint the wrong picture about God, and I think it could paint the wrong picture about God's intentions, but then more importantly, how God actually works in the world. 
I don't have the market cornered on God, but I can surely tell you through scripture, it's clear how God works and it's clear who God helps. And we're going to review that today. I'll start by telling you that I think that this statement falls short in two places or because of two reasons. Number one, I think it falls short because it emphasizes and puts emphasis on self-help and self-discovery. Now, while there's nothing wrong with self-help and self-discovery, I have a bit of a tacky relationship with it. You don't have to. Pastor Donovan does. (laughs) I remember growing up, I would read books that were self-helping books. Chicken Soup, anybody? Yeah, let me see some hands in the house. Yeah, Chicken Soup, all the self-help books. But I fell out of love with the self-help books because there was a point where I realized that it is it is myself that is getting myself into these predicaments. It is myself that is causing the hurt and the pain. It's myself that's putting myself in stuck positions and situations and circumstances. And it is me who's experiencing the pain. And through the quote, we're invited to rely on our own strength when we're experiencing the pain ourselves. How crazy. That we're encouraged to dig ourselves up out of our own stuff, out of our own stuck place, out of our own mess. Out of our own hurt and pain. And then God will come later. No. I think the text falls short there. Because it puts too much emphasis on self. And it makes us, me and you, you and I, the source of our own help and strength. And I think that's untrue. Number two, I think it, I think it puts in second place the divine activity of God. And it, it puts the divine activity of God in a place Where it is prompted, God is prompted by our own ability, by our own ability to help ourselves. That if we do enough, then God will show up and do the rest. And scripture doesn't say that. If we're indeed living by scripture and is encouraged by scripture, then we've got to look at scripture to see how we should approach how God actually works or how God moves in the time of help. So let's look at the first story, Matthew 9, 20 through 22. There was a woman who had been suffering. Scripture says that she's been suffering for about 12 years. We don't know if it was 12 years or not, but it's recorded that it was 12 years that this woman had been suffering, but perhaps it's longer than that. This woman had been suffering and she had gone her entire life, or at least let's use 12 years of her life, trying to find help or someone that would help her. Now, let's just assume in first century Greco-Roman culture that this woman had gone to physicians or people that would help her. But then when you do a little bit, a little, a little bit of digging, you realize that because of her social status, she wasn't allowed to get physical care or health care at the time. And then you also notice that because she was a woman who was experiencing illness, particularly an issue of blood hemorrhaging, according to the Old Testament text and Mosaic law, she was a social outcast. So a woman who is absolutely in need could not be helped and was a woman who needed help but had nobody to help her or no one to help. So what does God do? This woman presses. Let's say just perhaps she hears that God is in the neighborhood. God is in the Love Your Neighbor Network. (laughs) That God is, you got to put it in there somewhere. That God is in the neighborhood, that God is nearby, that God is on the way. And this God, this God person, Jesus, who shows up and is showing up in different places in and around Jerusalem, 
is going around healing people. He's healing the blind. He's troubling water so that people could rinse or drink from it and then be healed. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead to life. He is preaching this message or messages that stirs the heart, that transform lives. I've got to get to this person. And she seeks to do it. And she does. She touches the very hem of his garment. And according to Luke, Jesus feels blessings that's flowing from him. He stops and he says, woman, your faith has made you whole. You got to see here, this woman spent so much time throughout the 12 years, but let's just assume throughout her entire life trying to get help. She had been probably trying to go to, she had been probably trying to go to physicians and people to help her, but she couldn't. That was herself trying to help herself, trying to find the place where she could get help. And the only place, the only person who could help at the time was a God person who showed up, the God person of Jesus who showed up. And it wasn't her effort trying to get to them. It was her faith. It was her belief that actually made her whole. In the text, Jesus says, woman, your faith has made you whole. Not your efforts, not in you pressing, not in you trying, not in your trying to go to the physicians, but it was your faith, your belief in the fact that I could heal you that just gave you your healing in this moment. It wasn't about that. In the second story that we're uncovering today or that we've uncovered, there's another man who's sick, who's ill, but only this time he's paralyzed. This woman could make her way. This man could not. There's a man who is paralyzed and he's laying at the pool of Bethsaida or Bethesda. People say it different ways. He's lying at this pool because he has full faith that this pool could heal him and bring him healing. Jesus walks by and is on the scene again. And walks up to this man and says, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, I have no one to put me in the pool. I've been sitting here for 38 years. (laughs) Let's just say it was 38 years. But he had been sick for 38 years and it was quite some time. But I have been sick a long time for at least 38 years and I've been sitting here by the pool. And every time I try to get in the pool to try to help myself, someone steps over me. And not only is people stepping over me, but every time I try to get in the pool, people Take my place. Someone else is put before me. Well, not Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene and sees the man, recognizes the man, knows his need, understands that he's sick. He goes to the man and asks him, do you want to be made well? And at that moment he did. He told the man to get up and to walk. And at the end of that was so amazing, just like the woman. It is said that it's the man's faith, his own belief. That helped the man to stand up, to take his mat, and walk. The man had been paralyzed for years, but he walked. His faith, his belief. Though these stories are different today, I think that there are some things that's similar that we could draw on today in relation to this idiom of God helps those who helps themselves. And through these two stories, I think that there are three things that I think We can be encouraged by as we're looking at how God truly seeks to help us and who actually moves or acts first. I think there are three things that God wants us to know. And I want to share those things with you. What else can we learn from these three, from these two stories? Number one, you can write this down. Number one, God is always ready to help. God is always ready to help. You see, it is God who knows our struggles, who understands our weakness and acts accordingly. 
Notice in the story of Jesus, Jesus in, in the story of both these people where Jesus interacts with them, Jesus never neglects an opportunity to provide for these two individuals to meet the both of their needs. Jesus offers help in a capacity where they were not able to help themselves. He also ministered to a deeper need, which was the faith of the individuals, like the man at the pool and the woman who struggled. It was their faith, their belief, and the fact that Jesus could heal them, that who Jesus is and who who the scriptures had said that Jesus was, he was actually that person. They had full confidence and full assurity in that. They were confident. So what about us? Well, I researched the definition of faith, and here's what I came up with. This is from the Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church, and it says that faith is this. Faith is human response made effective by immediate operation of the grace of God in the Christian soul or the human heart, which carries with it deep and complete assurance and conviction. i read that again. Faith is human response, is human response to God's divine grace already at work, already acting on our behalf, which carries with it complete assurance and conviction. It is complete assurance and forgive and conviction that leads the woman to have faith in the fact that Jesus Christ could heal her. It is the man who responded in faith and got up with faith and assurance and conviction that Jesus could heal him. That this man could finally walk again and leave behind his paralyzed state. They had full assurance in the fact that Jesus was able to provide help for their lives, to meet their needs, their deepest needs. So faith, it is faith that helps. Faith that gives us confidence in God's help. That's point two. That God is always ready to help, but then faith gives us confidence in God's help. Faith happens in two places. You may not know this. I didn't know it. (laughs) Faith happens in two places. There could be more. Internally, where we spend time with God, God shaping us, God revealing new things for us. God's revelation that that happens upon us, that is given to us, that is shared with us. These new ways in which we're able to walk with God, hear God, listen to God, and then take the next faithful step. Faith is internal. Faith is internal. But then faith is also lived out. Faith is something that we also put in action. Like when we see a person in need, we help them into the pool. When we see a person who is struggling, when we have seen and watched that there's an earthquake, we do something about it. That faith is internal is something that we have, but it's also something that we live out. Because we too are vessels of God's grace. We are vessels of God's help in the world. This is the life that we're called to. And I think that's what God wants us to know. I love how Paul puts this in his message and his letter to the Romans. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Oh boy, hope. We have hope. But I want to put emphasis on what Paul is really, really getting at here. He says, may God fill you with all joy and peace, right? Joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace in having assurance. Joy and peace in having deep conviction. Faith. 
May God bless you with faith so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Hope is coming, but faith is required. So let's talk about hope. Point three, there is always hope. I love how the psalmist puts this. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, all the chaos, though the mountains tremble with noise, there's peace. That in the midst of the mountain shaking and the roaring, there can be peace. There can be hope. Thank you, psalmist. Thank you for those words. So what's the point, Pastor Donovan? I'm glad you asked. God helps. God doesn't just, it's not about God helps those who help themselves. Let's just put a period there. God helps. And if we're encouraged to use better words, how about these? How are you processing things right now? Are there some new things that you're learning considering this situation? Are there there some new things that you're learning about God in light of this situation? What does God's help look like for you right now? What does my help look like for you right now? You could say simply God helps. You can also say God helps others and I help you as well. Or you could also just say God is faithful. God is faithful. Not to put action or time or ways or prompting on God's help, but just to simply know that God helps. Amen.